Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable, the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. We are walking through the most searched theology questions on Google, and uh, a question that comes up, which I think is one that's helpful to address, actually, is what is hell? Um, It's a topic that um, is sobering to talk about, but we should talk about it because God in his word talks about it. And so how can we communicate this truth um, to other people? How can we also uh, understand it for ourselves and uh, understand it um, in the way that the Bible wants us to do so and for the purposes um, the scriptures uh, talk about it as well. So what is hell? Now, one of the things I've um, I looked here real quick is uh, online. This is from the, I think, the American uh, Heritage Dictionary of the English Language published by HarperCollins. Um, Real quick, one of the things that's interesting, I saw this, is the word hell, actually, in our English word, we use this, right? It actually comes from an old English word for hell, H-E-L, which was used in the past to translate the Latin word infernus, where we get like inferno, infernal, um, so the lower region. And then eventually, you trace it back even farther than you go to the Old Norse, so like the... the, uh, I guess that would be Scandinavians. And and hell was regarded as the abode of oath breakers, other evil persons, and those unlucky enough to have died of old age uh, or sickness rather than the glory on the battlefield. Um, unlike the typical Christian conception of hell, the old Norse hell is very cold. So, um, which I guess makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's even colder than in Sweden or wherever they were at. So, um and, and notice also the people who were sentenced there were, were basically people who didn't go and die on the battlefield. If you died in glory on the battlefield, you got to go to Valhalla, um, where heroes slain in battle. Uh, they get to carouse with the gods. But if not, you are, um, you're sentenced to hell. And hell is also the name of the goddess or giantess who uh, presided over this place called uh, hell. Um, and then the word hell in the Old Norse actually had the idea of being a concealed place. Um, and it says here, the root here is where we get other words like hall or hole or hollow or helmet um, and such like that. So that's kind of where we get our word hell um, from uh, as we, in our English terms, in our English language. Um, and, but, of course, there are various other terms used in the uh, Bible for hell um before we go into those terms um question about so whenever if someone was to come up here to ask you about you know what do you guys believe about hell what uh, before we do that what do you think most people on the street think about hell like if they think about it at all this this concept even if they don't use that word or whatever but i think they would think of it as a bad place i know there's like people who joke about it you know, like they're gonna go to hell, but it's gonna they're gonna make it a party or whatever. Like I've heard that before, yeah. but I think I think for the most part, people know that mm-hmm. it's it's bad. It's mm-hmm. not something you you want. It's not a place you want to go. I think a lot of people think people who are bad go there, and then but how they determine who is bad would be different per per person mm-hmm. of what they think about that. Um, 
I don't know if they would think in their mind about it being like <clears throat> God punishing or something like that. I just, just think in their heads, a lot of them, it's there's a good place and there's a, a bad place, and I don't want to go to the bad place. Mm-hmm. And that's people that still have some idea or belief that there is an afterlife because there's other people, right? That sure. This would just be a fairy tale. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's some who don't, but I mean, I, I'm yet to go to a funeral where someone has really expressed that to me where they were just like, yeah, he's gone and just, just gone. It, most people seem to have some concept of something after death, whatever that might be. Right. He's playing golf up there. With, yeah. Yeah. Something, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, and no one ever says at a funeral usually, yeah, I know this person's not in heaven. You know what I mean? Like, they, no one ever really... Um, no. That's what I was going to say, is that, like, even if people still have a concept of, like, bad people go there, I don't think that they would ever be willing to say that someone is there. Unless it's, like, some extreme, like, Adolf Hitler. They think of the right. extreme <laughs> yeah. Adolf Hitler... Osama bin Laden, right. something like that. They think of the extreme, um, but it, it is a place for the the worst of the worst, which might be five people in human history. Right, right. Um, but it's it's. I don't think that they generally think that people will really go there, mm-hmm. and certainly not them. Yeah, certainly not them or the people that are in their life because people in their life are probably mostly just like them. Right. Mm-hmm. We're, we're generally good people. Yeah. So words that are in the Bible for hell, here's a few of them. Because um, one of the questions that people ask, what exactly is hell in the Bible? And I thought it'd be helpful just to bring up some of the Bible words that are actually used. Um, we read about um, the hell of fire. Jesus talks about that in Matthew 5. Uh, 22 that word is the word for is gehenna um, which is used multiple times in matthew's gospel so like matthew 5 22 verses 29 through 30 as well matthew 10 28 matthew 18 9 matthew 23 15 and matthew 23 uh, 33 he talks about this place gehenna and uh, the uh, dictionary the uh, new bible dictionary says this about this term it says the name is derived from the hebrew um, hinnom the valley of the sons of hinnom a valley near jerusalem where children were sacrificed by fire in connection with pagan rites its original derivation is obscure but hinnom is almost certainly the name of a person in later jewish writings gehenna came to mean the place of punishment for sinners it was depicted as a place of unquenchable fire. The general idea of fire to express the divine judgment is found in the Old Testament. And they give you Deuteronomy 32, 22, and Daniel 7, verse 10. So Gehenna is one word the Bible uses. Jesus himself uses this word as a, a, a place of fiery destruction. So we this, this Gehenna is described in the New Testament as a place of fire. It's the place of destruction of the soul and the body. Remember, Jesus says that we are to fear um, not those who can kill our body, but those who can destroy both body and soul in hell, and that's God. Um, sinners are sentenced by God to hell, and also we're told that God has authority over hell to cast those into hell um, whom he judges to be put there and whom he sentences um, there. So that's kind of a, a general idea of, of Gehenna and what we see there. Another word is used is Hades. Um, I believe this is the word that Jesus uses when he says the gates of hell 
will not prevail against the church. The gates of Hades mm-hmm. is what he's referring to there. And it's used in uh, Matthew eleven twenty three, Luke ten fifteen, Acts 2, 27. Uh, Jesus is said in Revelation 1, 18 to have the keys of, of Hades, death and Hades with him. Um, and Hades was the name of the Greek god of the underworld. Um, and later of the underworld itself was called Hades. So Hades is the place where the dead went. Um, which is located, uh, at least in Greek thought, in the belly of the earth. And this word was used in the Old Testament in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures, uh, which was around during Jesus's time. This was the word that was used to translate Sheol, um, which is the grave, the place of the dead, the realm of the dead or the departed. So Hades, Gehenna, and then lastly, one other word. I'm sure there's there's others that we could we could bring up, but um, Revelation specifically talks about this place called the second death, the lake of fire. Um, that is described in Revelation 19, 20, 20, verse 10, 20, 14, 15, and 21, 8. Um, in Revelation, this lake is described as the second death, a place that burns with sulfur, which alludes to sulfur is brimstone, which is associated, which I guess, right, burns easily in fire. And so it's associated with Sodom in the Old Testament. Um, so you think about the fire and the destruction raining upon the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the image here is, is just of God's uh, wrath being poured upon unjust men. Um, this lake of fire is also described as a place of torment day and night. Revelation 20 verse 10 um, it's described as the portion of sinners that burns with fire and sulfur, Revelation 21, verse 8. So those are three words, three ideas. Generally, I'm sure there, there's others. Hell is described as a place of outer darkness, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, it's a place of judgment. And so, but Gehenna, Hades, and the second death or the lake of fire, these are words that the Bible itself uses um, in the New Testament. And you could search, of course, in the Old Testament as well. To, to, find, to, to see how this place of judgment, of God's wrath being poured righteously upon um, sinners is, is described. Any thoughts about those words? Or maybe you've thought of another uh, metaphor or scriptural term that's used for describing what we think of as hell. It was interesting when I was in seminary and we, the, the class that we, we, I took that uh, we went to Israel. It was like a four credit class. It was a really cool experience. And our the prof that led it, there was two, but the Old Testament prof that led it, he took us to um, Caesarea Philippi, which is the up in the northern area. And that's where Jesus would have taken his disciples and said, who do you say that I am? Remember that? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Well, he took us to this place where it was like, scholars believe this is where it took place. And there was like a kind of a cave. And that was the entrance to the underworld, oh, to Hades. Okay. And the god of Pan would have been the mythological Greek god who would have been in charge of the underworld. <clears throat> so in other words, as he was sharing this, if you look at, you know, you're there and you see it, and you understand the cultural context, what Jesus is saying is that, Upon this rock, because it's a rocky area, you know, upon Hades, I will build my church. In other words, the gates of Hades, the gates of hell cannot affect my, my ecclesia, my church. Mm-hmm. And so impacting the Gentile world, but also, you know, overthrowing the world of darkness was really mm-hmm. interesting. And that kind of brought into light this idea of Hades, because it can be confusing. Yeah. Hell, Hades, Sheol. So what is it, you know? And that was kind of a, 
understanding from a cultural standpoint of like, oh, that makes sense. Christ is is coming to bring his church right on top of this, mm. you know, over overthrowing mm. the darkness of of you know of hell of Hades. Yeah. So it's really interesting. That's good. That's good. Scott, did you? Have- I was just uh, while you were talking a little bit, I looked up an article because I know that I mean the doctrine of hell and of God's judgment in general is is rejected by many progressive Christians or pretty much all of them, and it's just interesting how much they like to focus on the individual specific words and what they mean, right? And the the article I looked up, I mean, the guy just blatantly says that the the doc the modern doctrine of hell is of pagan invention. And it's basically just because of what you read at the very beginning mm. of, like, where the actual word hell comes oh, from. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but I think what's important to see, even though there's all of these different words that are used, it's the concept mm-hmm. of what hell is. Not, it's not about the specific word that's used. It's the concept of it is a place of judgment, mm-hmm. right? And that's what you consistently see. Uh, throughout throughout scripture and so i just think that's what needs to you know it's it's good to point that out that um it's easy to fo- it, it's easy to twist things and manipulate them by focusing on the etymology of words mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh when what's very clear as jesus spoke about hell and as it's in other places in scripture is is what it is right it's a place of judgment mm-hmm. of god's judgment yes yeah yeah yeah, we definitely clearly see a separation, don't we? I mean, there's a, a separation of some sort uh, that we read in the Gospels, but we also see in Revelation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a lot of people, what you said, Scott, just now, it's it's a place of God's judgment. I think a lot of people think of hell as a place where God is not, a uh, separation. And that's not, that's not true. <laughs> it's a place of God's judgment. He's very much going to be there, but judging, mm-hmm. um, which is a scary thought, mm-hmm. right? Because... Uh, we as Christians believe that Christ took that judgment and mm-hmm. wrath for yeah. us, and so we sit under the banner of Christ for that. Uh, he took that, and sadly, those who do not trust in Christ don't get to sit under that banner, and so they have to experience mm-hmm. the wrath that they're deserved uh, forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's part of our, our motivation for uh, witnessing and sharing the gospel is we, we don't want to see people uh, go through that, do we? Um, but like you said, that 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 stuff is is obvious in Scripture that that that's going to happen, and we can get hung up sometimes on words and different things. And Scott, as you were saying, the progressives have really tried to uh, push push that aside um, the best they can. Uh, we were just talking a minute ago about one of the big proponents of that was in Michigan was mm-hmm. in Grand Rapids and mm-hmm. Rob Bell and wrote a book against, against hell. And yeah, I think it led him to universalism. Honestly, that's what the mm-hmm. book seemed to do. Yeah. Uh, just to, just to get rid of it because we don't, as we were talking about a little bit ago, we just, we just don't like thinking about that. You know, we don't like to think that anyone goes there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, I've, I've done funerals for people that uh, nobody liked them. <laughs> I mean, that's just the honest truth. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then at the funeral, everybody liked him. That's what they say. You read the obit, yeah. and it's like, gosh, this guy was like the best dad in the world, <laughs> and all this, and all of a sudden, you know, it, everything is is hunky dory, and it's just something in it. We just know that that's not good. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it seems like everybody uh, knows that and grasps that in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's just not true. There are people dying and and going to hell, and 
and a lot of them would be labeled as very good in our in our minds and uh but the bible just says something different and it comes across as unloving but in fact we're trying to do the opposite the unloving thing is to tell people you're good mm. right the loving thing is to tell them the truth because the truth is you can be good in Christ. That's the truth. Uh, but apart from that, you're not. And so let's have a discussion about this because I do love you and care about you. Uh, anyways, there's a little tangent there, I guess. But uh, No, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what does Jesus say about hell? So because sometimes people, you know, especially I think about progressive Christians, they love Jesus. Mm-hmm. They say the well, Jesus of their minds. But what did Jesus himself I mean, say he, about hell? He clearly talks about wheat yeah. and then chaff within the wheat. Yeah. And there's going to be a day of reaping mm-hmm. and the wheat will be took to the side, but the chaff is going to be burned. Right. Yeah. I mean, we see him talking about this stuff pretty, pretty clearly, yeah. pretty openly. The yeah. sheep yeah. and the goats. Yeah. He says it's better to tear out your eye or cut off yeah. your hand than to be thrown whole into the fires of hell. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He talks mm-hmm. about how the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness where there's weeping mm-hmm. and gnashing of teeth. Mm-hmm. So Jesus clearly, I mean, believed in a place of judgment. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, he more than anybody, I think this is kind of where we're going to yeah, go, but yeah. I mean, more than anybody should. I mean, yeah. he experienced God's right. judgment. Right. 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 I mean, you talk like the progressives, and they have their way of of getting around things, and they're very sly about it. But I mean, Jesus probably more than anywhere else in Scripture talked about hell. Right, right. right. He was very clear, right, about it. You mm-hmm. know, and um, and but what they what they like to do is, is at least in this article and what I've heard elsewhere is. They like to point out how, like, if you're only thinking about he- heaven and hell, then really all salvation is to you is fire insurance, and you don't care about how you live this life oh. here. You care more about what happens then. Mm-hmm. Well, we're the real Christians. We care about how we live now, and that's what salvation is about, is about how you live now. Mm-hmm. And um, that's 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 not what Jesus said. That's part of it, but that's not what Jesus <laughs> no, said. No, no. Let me, let me ask yeah. you this. This is, a, this is an important question, I think. Why do people, what is the, what is the just reason and the basis upon which God sentences people to hell? Say it again. What is the, the reason? What is the basis upon Sin. why God's, so, cause I think this is important because some people will say the reason why people are sentenced to hell is because they've rejected Jesus. And that is partially true. That is a sin to reject Jesus, but people who never have heard about Jesus who've never had the opportunity to even reject him go to hell as well that's why we go to the take the gospel to them is because the first reason why mm-hmm. is their fall in adam mm-hmm. right um the condemnation of sin yeah the condemnation of sin the guilt we all became transgressors in adam um and so it's very important i think for because yeah, I think even well-meaning Christians will say, well, people go to hell because they reject Jesus. They were already going to hell before Jesus, before they rejected Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they, and so the fact that they reject Jesus, they're rejecting the only, um, the offer of grace to get them out of hell, to save them from God's judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think that's an important thing to remember um, that, Everybody across the globe, this whole world is is right now, uh, unless they repent and come to Christ, sentenced to hell. Um, and so, 
the people who've never heard of Jesus before, the smallest child, um, to the, the oldest adult who's never, who maybe has lived the most virtuous life he can in a pagan society, but has never heard of Jesus, never heard of the cross, never heard of substitution and the sacrifice for them. Um, they are under still under God's condemnation because they are still in Adam, the first Adam. Um, that is so, I think, important um, to understand that, that basis. And then when we reject Christ on top of that, we refuse to come to the wedding feast. Um, that is only further heightening um, people's, our, our sin. Um, and our and our condemnation. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, it was. I mean, it's uh, the idea of you know to him who much is given. Yeah, you know, much is required. Correct. Right. If you if you've been taught about this and you reject it still, right, then there is greater punishment coming for you. Yes. Right. And um, but that doesn't mean that for everyone else who hasn't heard that it's going to be any lesser. Correct. <laughs> you know. Um. But you know that, and that's why what you were saying in terms of. Like, this is the consequence of sin. This yeah. is the consequence of rebelling against your creator. And that's what that's what God said at the very beginning. The day you eat of it, you will surely die. Right. And in Revelation, it talks about the second death. Yeah. Right? This is death. Mm-hmm. Right? This is the result of that. And, uh, yeah, it, it is a result of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that truth is, that's hard to swallow. That's why, uh, that's why a lot of... You know, non-Christians don't want to have anything to do with God or they struggle with it because of like what you were saying, Spencer, mm-hmm. of just that person who has never heard. You're telling me God's going to send them to help. They never heard about Christ and it was Christ. And and you have to have a good hermeneutic and of scripture to really be able to talk about that because mm-hmm. I would guess there's even Christians in church who when they hear that, it kind of makes them stumble some to think, what? I mean, that doesn't seem fair yeah and so then you have to think about your theology and the bible and what it says and like how does this all work and function mm-hmm. you know and um the truth is if 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 what you said isn't true right about uh them going to hell then the absolute worst thing we can do is missions yeah <laughs> we should yeah. never yeah. do missions yeah right because then you're just sending them to hell because you're telling right. them like you're giving them that chance mm-hmm. we should keep quiet we should Never tell anybody about Jesus. Just keep everybody in the dark and be mm-hmm. blind about it mm-hmm. would be the best thing to do. But we, I think every Christian would say, well, the Bible doesn't say that. It's like, yeah, so how do we handle this? Well, you know, what mm. do we do with this? And so that's why we need to know what our Bibles say, and that's why theology becomes important in being able to talk about mm-hmm. who is God and his sovereignty and what does it mean and how are people saved, you know, and what does that look like and who who is doing that, mm-hmm. you know, who's behind all of this. Uh, you have to really think through that, and I, I think – um, Christianity and the Bible, we're the only ones who have that answer. Yeah. It, it, you know, the other people who are answering this are just saying, like Rob Bell ended up saying, mm-hmm. everybody's good. Mm-hmm. That's the other option you could yeah. go to. Right. Or everybody's not good. I guess that'd be the other one. It's like, yeah. nah, there's no hope, so just sure. live your life and do whatever. Yeah. Um, we, have, we have an answer to that <laughs> because the Bible gives <clears throat> us right. an answer to that. Now, not everybody likes that answer, but we do have an answer. Well, and, and in Romans 1... Base, beginning what verse 18 all the way through 320 mm-hmm. when paul's outlining the condemnation of mankind he doesn't say that men are condemned because they've rejected jesus he doesn't even bring up jesus till 321 right as the solution to our problem and so if you really wrestle with romans 118 through romans 320 um, where paul indicts the whole human race as guilty because although we knew god 
we did not honor him as God or give mm-hmm. thanks to him. Um, and you, you really understand that. And Paul convicts the Jews and the Gentiles of sin and uh, by, that by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight because through the law comes a knowledge of sin. Um, you have to, you have to really grasp with those, those passages of scripture because Paul is really highlighting the basis of our condemnation mm-hmm. and Christ is the gracious offer, the putting forth of the propitiation to take away that wrath that we are due in his beloved son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to highlight, I mean, something that you said, Tim, of definitely people who are not Christians don't like Christianity and the doctrine of hell. But I, I actually think that there's also, you mentioned within the church. I mean, it, it's one of the biggest reasons I think that people walk away from the faith. People who actually wrestle with Christian beliefs uh, is they don't like the idea of hell, and so they either walk away completely, or they 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 morph into the progressive Christian that we've talked about, um, uh, where they still want to identify themselves as Christian, but do away with everything that's distasteful uh, to the modern culture. But I think that just to a to a Christian who begins to wrestle through that, I think that really shows a an anemic theology and teaching that they've probably experienced there during their upbringing and growth of just not not being taught what sin is and a con- the consequences of sin because i mean i think one of the reasons that christians maybe wrestle with that is they think yeah i mean i know that these people around me don't believe in jesus but i don't think they're terrible people Right. They, yeah, they do right. nice things. They're kind, mm-hmm. you know, to me or, you know, they have friends that are their good friends and they like being around them, but they don't seem like they're worthy of hell. But I, that's just a maybe even like a deep rooted sense of works righteousness, you know, in yeah. that that is yeah. is built up. And uh, hmm. and why it's important to, hmm. to I, teach. I think it's not rightly. just an anemic teaching of what sin is, but I think. I don't think we do the best job of teaching who God is, mm-hmm. how powerful he is, how almighty he is, all-knowing, his holiness, right? I, I just don't think we grasp that, and we start to, we start to think God is just somebody who kind <clears> of <throat> created the cosmos and is out there, and now everybody has a choice, and everybody has a, has a decision, and we all are kind of liable for our decisions, which is, we, there's free will, yes, for sure, but, right, but that God's just kind of hands offish now and let's let it play out and that's how everybody becomes guilty and I think when we start to think about that about God then that's when I start to have a problem right with the uh, poor orphaned girl in China who's never heard about him she's never had a chance to choose that's unfair but I think that's a misunderstanding of God and who he is and so we have a very uh, lax view of of God mm-hmm. And um, one of the big things for me in thinking about that, I remember thinking through that, was just seeing whenever we have an encounter with God in Scripture, it's his holiness that just drops people, and they quickly realize, I deserve punishment in hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like what they always realize. I shouldn't be here. Yeah. I can't, you know. I thought of that earlier. Like, I mean, you think of like Isaiah. Yeah. You know, the, the, the vision that he has. John. Where he, or, yeah. In Revelation, falls dead. And it's like, if you want to know... I guess, uh, like what hell is, it's that happening 
but forgiveness not being offered to you. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no mercy. And you actually experiencing the wrath that you now know you deserve. Mm-hmm. Right? right? Like that's that's what hell is going to be. Yeah. It's not the because I thought of that because you said it's not the absence of God, which is true. It is the presence of his wrath and his mm-hmm. judgment. Mm-hmm. And anybody that's mm-hmm. ever been in the presence of God realizes their sinfulness and their unworthiness to be in that presence. But God's grace is given to like those instances that we've mentioned, like the the coal touching Isaiah's lips, him being forgiven. But that will not happen in hell. Yeah, the difference between heaven and hell is the incarnate Christ. He's in heaven, but he is not in hell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the body of Christ is is only in heaven, and. Um, yeah, no, I think I think what you said, Tim, was what you guys were both saying about we misunderstand who we are, our mm-hmm. sin, we mm-hmm. misunderstand God. Calvin says um, that we have two things we have knowledge of, ourselves and of God, and they really go tan- in tandem. The lower view of God you have, the higher view of yourself you're going to have. Um, and so what you think about God is a reflection, actually, of who you think you are. And who you think you are is a reflection of who you think God is. You can't help it. They go, they go in tandem uh, together. And so, yeah, I think a high view of sin. I think when people um, think about hell, it's a helpful thing, too, to think about um, the, 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 the precursor of hell in the Old Testament, which is Sodom and Gomorrah. And you read about that place, right? God is there to punish it. And whenever we read what goes on in Sodom with Lot, and you see the the depravity on display there, we look at that, and it can be it can be very easy for us as readers of the Bible to look at that and say, "Yeah, those people deserved that." Yeah, we would clap for that. Yeah, yeah. Look at those people; they're horrible. Of mm-hmm. course, yeah. God rain the fire down on those people. But what God is actually trying to teach you and me is that's all of you mm-hmm. in my eyes. Mm-hmm. That's what you look like to me mm-hmm. is a bunch of blind people groping for sin. Mm-hmm. And notice how when you see when you see, you notice they refuse to repent. They're blinded, they're struck with a precursor of judgment, blindness. They still don't stop. They're still groping for the door in order to commit heinous evil crimes. Mm-hmm. And in God's sight, that's who we are. So if that's who we are in God's holy eyes, well, then it's kind of like what Paul says. Remember, Paul does that with uh, in Romans uh, chapter one and two, right? He says, um, he's basically saying, yeah, because as someone reads Romans chapter one, they're thinking, yep, no, that's right. All those bad people deserve to get punished. And then Paul says, but who are you, oh man? Yeah. So Paul turns the tables just like Nathan did with David. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to do. Uh, we have to remind ourselves, and scripture does that, is to remind us. Um, if we have a trouble thing with hell, it's because we need to have the tables turned on us to realize that's who we are. And it's only God's grace that takes people from Sodom and rescues them through the blood of Jesus so that we don't experience the fire and the brimstone. I read a book recently called dream small. And in the book, the guy was like saying how we use our own like charts and diagrams in our head to compare ourselves to people uh, in different things. And yeah. so uh, for people who are like math minded and chart minded, he used a chart and the chart looked like there was a lot of variation. Megan looked like a bad person. Derek looked like a really good person based on the bar graph chart. Right. But when you looked at the, uh, this is when you look at the Y axis on the chart, right? I like this. I Who makes Excel charts here? <laughs> the, the chart started at like 6,000. 
and it went up to 7,000. And it looked like a ton of variation. But when, oh. he, when he changed the chart from zero to 7,000, it looked like everybody was basically the same okay. person. And he said, this is how we play games in our mind. And, and what made me think about of what you were saying is he had a line in there where he said, I bet you or many people sit and they think about Jesus coming and eating with sinners. Mm. And we think, look at him eating with sinners. <laughs> and he said, that wasn't Jesus's big move to come and eat with sinners. Jesus's big move is he came to human humanity, right? All of us, yeah. because we try to do that bar graph and we say, look at that person. They're way lower than me. Mm -hmm. But when you take it for actually what it's worth and how we are created, we're all really bad that's sinners. Point. Yeah. And that's the, that's the crazy thing that Jesus did. Not, not going to Zacchaeus's house. The crazy thing is he was born here Yeah, and he walked among us. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but too many of us have that concept in our yeah. head, you know, is when we read scripture, we're like, I can't believe he knelt down for that prostitute. Yeah. I can't believe, you know, he sat with that woman at the well. Mm -hmm. We we're we're astonished by that. And it's like, no, what's astonishing is he, he even offers this to you. Yeah. You know, uh, but it's just how we right. have a misunderstanding. Well, that's the difference of the mindset between those people, right? You have the tax collector and you have the Pharisee at the temple praying. And one of them is amazed that they would be shown grace. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The other one expects that they'll be shown <laughs> grace, yeah. right? That's the difference of the mindset yeah. uh, between those two people. Mm -hmm. And right. even and even that Pharisee eventually who is, uh, you know, Paul is eventually saved as a Pharisee and he will even say, I'm the chief of sinners. So whether you're the, you're the good or the bad quotes on both of those, mm -hmm. they both end up thinking they're the chief of sinners. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you're right. Jesus, and Jesus just came and ate and drank with sinners this past week. Like yeah, the Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper yeah. He just came and did that mm -hmm. again, again um, yes. and didn't condemn any of us to hell. <clears throat> he offered us himself again and saved us. And saved us. So um, real quick before we head out, um, does the Bible say who is in hell was one of the questions. And it does in a general sense. Um, the Bible uh, in Revelation, <laughs> we're given a description. It says, first of all, those who are in the, the lake of fire is, first of all, anyone whose name is not found in the book of life. Those who are found in the book of life are um, brought into the new heavens and the new earth with Christ. And Revelation 20, verse 15 says, anyone whose name is not found in the book of life is condemned. But then later on, it gives a description, a general description of the kinds of people that are found in this lake of fire. In Revelation 21, verse 8, they are described as the cowardly, the faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Uh, additionally, those not, you know, eventually that the last day with the final judgment, with the, the second death and all that, everything is completed. We also read that death and Hades are thrown into hell in Revelation 20, verse 14, the same place. The devil is thrown into hell, Revelation 20, verse 10, and the beast and that false prophet, however you interpret that, are described as throw, being thrown into um, this lake of fire in Revelation 20, verse 10. So, the Bible does not give us, um, apart from the devil, uh, the Bible does not, um, I'm not sure that it gives us anybody really that we can say that person's, um, <laughs> you know, it's not our job to make final judgments about people who are in hell. It is our job to be charitable towards those who um, confess this, the, the faith of Christ and don't deny him uh, by, their, by their life, uh, by blatantly by their life to be charitable and say, Yes, in charity, I, I believe you're you're going to heaven with isn't me. It, isn't it interesting how free, I mean, Tim mentioned this yeah. earlier. Isn't it free how 
or isn't it interesting how free we feel to make judgments in the opposite direction though? Yeah. Yeah. We feel very free to say that somebody has been judged righteous, but not that they've been judged unrighteous. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, that, that yeah, kind we, of carries the same weight of arrogance. Yeah. yeah I mean, it. we just have fruit to see, right? I mean, I don't think it's wrong um, to have a funeral service for a church member who's been a faithful church member, seems yeah. to have loved the Lord, to stand and to say, you know, today she's with the Lord and she has no more pain, because that's the hope and that's the promise that we have. and. By all signs, I mean, that's what she's shown. But we're also not able to declare mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know. And it's the same way. I, I say this at most funerals that I do, and I don't I don't know the person. I tell them, God is a just God, and all who call on him will be saved mm-hmm. is what it says. And the fact is, I don't know, I don't know your loved one, and I have, I have no idea. Could have mm-hmm. been the biggest scoundrel in the world, but God, in his grace and mercy, in those last few seconds or minutes, I don't know, might have... Off, right. Offered salvation, and it might have been given. I, I don't know. Just like the the thief on the cross, right? I mean, given that opportunity, I I don't I don't know. And so it's not our jobs to mm-hmm. declare people in hell or declare people in heaven. Uh, we just share the gospel of and yeah. what that means, and we just again just trust him. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that's a, a good thing that you were mm-hmm. saying. But I don't think it's wrong. Again, I just don't think it's wrong to like celebrate when a loved one dies yeah. and say yeah, we believe they're in heaven because. Mm-hmm. If we're trusting in God and they said they trusted sure. in God, that's what that's no. Where we're actually at. commanded according to the Ten Commandments to be charitable towards people until we have obvious, clear evidence to the contrary. Hmm. So, if someone says they're a Christian, they're saying they're trusting in Jesus alone for their salvation, and I don't have clear evidence to the contrary, I am required uh, by um, the Ten Commandments to believe that. Yeah. Until they give me some overwhelming evidence and they say, Jesus isn't divine. Okay, well, that's not what we believe. We um, kind of had this conversation yeah. with baptism, remember? Because yeah. we we believe someone is baptized after they have been saved. And when they come to us, we ask them some questions. You know, you're saying you trusted in Christ. Yeah. We don't wait three years for them to prove it before sure. we baptize them. We we're going Maybe by a couple, their, but yeah, <laughs> saying we're going by their word. And sometimes, though, I think yep. what people ask, like parents will ask this and different things, is like, "I need to know my kid is saved before you baptize them." I'm like, "I don't know, what to tell you, man." Sure. You ask them the questions. Are they answering it kind of well? You know, do you trust in that? I mean, then we baptize them. That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, it's just kind of yeah, similar. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Before we we finish, I know it might be getting close to that time but i guess i just wanted to ask you guys your to share your thoughts on how much should we use the fear of hell as motivation for people to come to christ right whether it's in our preaching or in our personal conversations i feel like that's like a very controversial thing at least in some conversations i've had like when it comes to children like talking to kids yeah i think this is why well I guess I, I, I was going to answer that more towards preaching, I guess. You kind of changed it when you said the kids thing. I well, just yeah. all, I mean, kids are present when you're preaching. Yeah, but you that's what I, what I was going to say for preaching is that's why I think it's important to do it expositionally like we do. And so I would say we preach it as much as the Bible speaks of it. When we're going through Ephesians or whatever, you don't avoid it. You don't dodge it because there's definitely some pastors who have a very, are fascinated by hell. And so if they're, just picking and choosing what they want to preach each week, that's going to naturally probably come to the surface more. Um, and so it's important to teach the whole of Scripture so that you can 
not avoid it, but also not stick on it all the time, which we all tend to do. Like we all have verses that we have memorized and that we know. And even in our preaching, those will come out probably more than other ones because God's used them in our life or whatever it might be. But fear is a, a great motivator, but we're not, we're not doing fear uh, to manipulate. We want to use fear to be honest, you know, is this is the truth of what Jesus has told us and what the Bible tells us is there's separation, right? Wheat and chaff and sheep and goats and what uh, Spencer was talking about in Revelation, being thrown into a lake of fire. This is this is true, and so there should be some sense of of fear. I thought of that question when we were talking about those who saw God or were in the presence of God. Fear was a big motivator for Isaiah. <laughs> I'm not interested to go. I'm not interested to go. The temple fills up. Okay, I'm going. Right. All of a sudden, he's he's scared. Okay, I'll do it. Right. Um, same kind of with Moses. It took it took some fear. God showed him his power and changing his staff and doing all these different things and miracles and and then Moses on the mountain with like fear for the people seeing him in fire. Okay, okay, that's who we're following. That's where we're that's where we're going. So fear's not a bad motivator, um, but I do think there is a a line, I guess. But to tell you where that line is, I don't I don't think we could say. I just don't think it should be avoided. Um, and when I think we're talking about hell, it's it's important to balance that with there is hell, but God in his great grace has provided a way for us to not go to hell, right? It has to be balanced. Uh, well, it's, it's always one of my fears at youth camp because usually when I would preach camp, Monday or Tuesday was like specifically talking about sin and the message. And part of me always wanted to just leave it <laughs> for a night. Like just terrorize them for a night, you know, sinners. But that's not right, right? That would be wrong. I can't do that. I need to tell them also about grace is here. Um, so that's how I would answer that, I guess. The best. I don't know if that answers your question. Every night before you go to sleep, Johnny, don't forget, hell is real. Have you trusted? Good night. Oh that's horrible. Sounds like a horror movie. That's horrible. Wow. Good night. Um. No, I think I think it's um, I think about these in terms of law and gospel distinctions. So you can't preach the law without preaching sin, condemnation, and hell. And I think the danger in preaching about hell is to um, become fanciful with it. You know, so if you're, that's why it's very important to stick to the words and to the scriptural ideas and the metaphors that it uses. Um, and so try as best as you can to, sp- if you're, you know, speaking about hell, which we must, but we must speak about it in the way the Bible talks about it. Cause the danger can be that you say something or twist something or become more fanciful or, um, I forget what, I don't know what the word would be, but like you're, you're trying to gain insights where God hasn't given you insights into hell. So you want to be really careful with that. On the other hand, fear is given by God. To con- that's that's part of conviction. The law does make us afraid. The law, I mean, p- the Lord in uh, Leviticus and Luther will talk about this this metaphor a lot. Is uh, and it's either Leviticus or Deuteronomy or something where God says the curses that would come upon Israel um, if they disobeyed. He says you will be afraid at a dri- at a leaf. A leaf just moving is going to make you scared. And that's the law. That's condemnation coming to sinners. When we realize who we are, what we've done, and what we deserve, we will become afraid of God. The law produces that. 
it produces um, fear in our hearts, and it's supposed to do that. The gospel then breaks forth as a message of joy and hope and forgiveness in the person of Jesus Christ. And so I think it's, I don't think it's at all a bad thing. I think fear in that sense is a very good thing. Now, if you're manipulating it and you're only, if the emphasis of your ministry, and you can see this too in people though, is when they talk about law and gospel, they talk about like three quarters of their message is law typically. And one quarter, if that is gospel, um, they're not going to then love Jesus because they're just running away. But the the law is is God awakening in us the fear to realize our, the truth of our situation and who we are. And we have to hear the even as Christians again all the time, be reminded of that. And then the gospel is Jesus Christ coming to us and showing us his nail-pierced hands and his feet, showing us his side, uh, telling us to welcoming us because all is finished and to come to him and to find rest and peace and wholeness and joy and satisfaction in him. Um, and I think that's that's the appropriate way. And I think if you're going to err on something, you need to err on the gospel side. You need to preach that more than you preach the law, but you do need to preach the law because without the law, people won't know the knowledge of their sin. So you have to do both. But I think as a whole, as a Christian ministry, and as we even talk to our children, I want my children um, to know their sin, to know hell's real. I want them to be afraid of hell. I want me to be afraid of hell. Um, but I also want us, even more than that, to know that we are secure in Jesus Christ and that we're welcome to him um, and that we are loved by him and embraced by him. Um, and that's it's, it's understanding the hellness of hell that makes the, the graciousness of Jesus Christ so wonderful. Um, to us as sinners. And, and and in tying in with that, I'll close with this little quote here. Um, at the end here, I found where another question people had was, what did Jesus do in hell? Because one of the things in the Apostles' Creed is uh, the church has historically confessed that Jesus descended into hell. And uh, people wonder, well, what did Jesus do there? Well, actually, we 